Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. (laughs) Yes, folks, welcome and thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly, but if you'd like to have any questions, concerns, or comments made, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Oh, 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 Oh. I have a question or comment. Okay, Mr. Kelly. How are you? Very good. That's it. No, hey, I was in You're calling from Milstadt, right? I'm calling from uh, close to Milstadt. Yes, I love Milstadt. Uh, So I was in Florida last weekend. Whoa. Okay, on the beach. And near the beach, there's this little ground cover that looks like kind of like a sponge- or a, I got a picture I'll show you. But it's green. It's like a kind of a light green color. And I can't, I couldn't figure, you know what it is? No. It looks, it looks like, it kind of looked like a mushroom to me. Kind of like a, a fungi mm. or fungi or whatever they call those. And, uh, but it was kind of like, uh, it looked like a sponge. But it was round and kind of greenish. You You're don't, making this up. I'm not. You are. No. I can tell by your face. No, I'm not. I'll show you a picture. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so that was that was one of the interesting That's ground Photoshop, covers down right. there. I don't even know how to Photoshop. It's a sponge. <laughs> All right. Well, here. I'll call someone else who might know. <laughs> yeah, an oceanographer. <laughs> this was this was on the ground. <laughs> Carry on. Just uh-huh. Yeah. Well, folks, on Saturday morning, we get together and we discuss Green sponges on the ground somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how about your yard, your landscape, your garden, your house plants, your potting mixes, soil improvement? Do you should you be doing any planting? Should you be digging up things and retransplanting them and anything? Here comes the picture. There's the picture. I don't see anything there. The, look at that. It kind of looks like snow, but it's not. This is Florida. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll, that I'll looks bo- Yeah, that's as bogus as the whole story. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, folks. I guess what am I doing here anyway? <laughs> uh, anyway, you know it's going to take a lot of work on your part, and we've got all this crazy weather and everything else. So, uh, and anyway, this is your show, and I certainly appreciate you being here. If you weren't here, I would not be here. And thanks to Greg, he's producing today, and thanks to June Hudson and Greg for. S- Standing, sitting, or whatever for me last week. June Hudson and I had worked at the Botanical Garden way back when, and she is absolutely a consummate professional. So I'm Mike Miller, and I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994, written a couple gardening books, and uh, during the week I do landscape consulting, which I call a walk and talk. If you'd like for me to come to your home and evaluate your landscape or answer questions you have on site, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, the homepage. There's my email address and phone number. And if you'd like to give a gift certificate to somebody, you can certainly do that. Just give me an email or a call, and I can email you back the gift certificate with the person's name and your name on it as a gift from you. 
St. Louis Composting, they sponsor the Good Gardening Stroll. 636-861-3344. On this first day, full day of winter, uh, the weather outside was 25 degrees, perfectly winter-like. And uh, inside our home, Tracy's done a great job decorating. She has this dollhouse that she decorates very seasonally, depending upon what season it is. And also uh, the chrome metal Christmas tree we have. I think a couple weeks ago I said we got it from a hotel in uh, California. Nope. When I got home that day, Tracy said, we got it in Florida. I said, what? You mean I'm wrong? No, no, no way. No, we got it in Florida. So anyway. But she's decorated the tree, and inside of the house looks great. Outside, window boxes, I have herbs. So historically, I've always planted juniper seedlings that the birds have eaten the juniper berries and sat in the trees and uh, dropped the seeds. And consequently, all the junipers start sprouting. So for probably five or six years, I just dig up these little seedlings, put them in the window boxes, and leave them outside in our kitchen window. But this year, I decided to do herbs. So I have the creeping thyme, rosemary, and three different varieties of sage. They look good. I water them every couple weeks. And, uh, um, you know, it's nice to look out and see herbs as opposed to junipers. Just a nice change. The bed spaces around our yard between the garage and alley. The lemon verbena still looks really good. It's holding on to its evergreenness, even though it's not technically an evergreen. There's a boxwood in there, too, that looks pretty darn good. The gold moss, sedum, mm, purple coneflowers, uh, sweet alyssum, they're all asleep. Between the street and the sidewalk, I have some gold moss, too, and yellow moneywort. Both those are really dormant. And there's a stretch of zoysia straight across from our backyard. And the zoysia in that stretch between the sidewalk and street looks great, nice and tan. And there's no green in it, so I don't have any kind of, let's say, invasive things because your zoysia should be pretty tan right now. The backyard in general, the zoysia is sprinkled with some cool season weeds. Darn it. And I do have some pots back there that I have some spring bulbs. And the knockout roses that I had in the backyard in pots, I've pruned those back, and now they're in the garage. The north side of the house, there's two different boxwood. There's Leland Cypress and Mugo Pine, which welcomes us home with evergreen qualities. And uh, the ground covers through there. Hmm. Beep, 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 beep. And I did buy uh, last fall a uh, Burginia. Burginia is a type of perennial which is evergreen. And this one is not doing so well because it's competing with the Mugo Pine root systems, and it's uh, I'm not so happy with it. So Anyway, we'll see what it looks like in the springtime. The three sugar maples, boy, they're naked except for those seeds that are dangling down, and when the wind blows, <laughs> some of them come down like hail. There's so many of them. Front steps, multiple pots are filled with spring bulbs, and... Uh, what I've done with the pots on the front steps is I bought a bunch of ornamental or ornaments, let's say Christmas tree ornaments, and I have several of the pots, you know, I just dumped a bunch of ornaments on top as more or less a mulch for these different pots. So it kind of looks, you know, really unique and interesting. The west side of the house, which faces Christie Park, this is where the continuous march of leaves come up from the park. 
because the southwest winds blow them right up to the our house and the house right across the street. So far this year, I've done, I think, seven 55 or 50-gallon bags of leaves. I rake them up, I put them in the, ba- uh, the plastic bags, and I take them over to the yard waste dumpster, and then I dump them out of the plastic bag. I don't put the plastic bag in the dumpster. And also, there are two large pots in the front that have spring bulbs, too. So I can't wait until spring comes around because even though this is the first day of winter, I'm already bored with it. Those gray skies, at least the sun's out today, so that makes it kind of nice. And um, I'll tell you what, it is just really nice to be outside you know, as much as I can. Even when it's really cold, it's just nice outdoors. So anyway, Merry Christmas to everybody. If you have any questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Hello, everyone. I'm Cardinals broadcaster John Rooney wishing you a very happy holiday season. Happy holidays from KMO. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Any questions, concerns, or comments about your yard, your landscape, or your house plants? 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Forgot to mention, too, for years I've been buying uh, rosemary. Rosemary plant that I have inside, not like outside in the window boxes that I was talking about. But I always get them, and they're pruned to kind of look like a Christmas tree shape. And uh, last year, I consistently got them at the same place over and over and over. But last year, it was really disappointing. So this year, I got my rosemary tree at a different place, and it is striking. I'm really liking it. Uh, adds some nice, you know, fragrance when the sun's, you know, sun hits it. So. That's really a plus. Well, let's start off in Staunton, Illinois, and go to see what's going on in Dan's yard. Hi, Dan. Hey, how you doing? Very good. Good. Um, I've got, I've got, basically my question is about my front yard and grass. Um, I've struggled really bad with my grass. I've got, you know, a, a lab dog and, and, and three little boys, and um, I've hired different companies to come out and spray and, and treat the yard and I mean, I just can't, I'm just not doing well with grass. So the only thing I've ever been able to, to get to work is just aeration and seed. Right. Well, um, right now, I mean, there's just, there's a lot of big open holes in it and stuff. There's a lot of mud. And, and when I, when I aerate and seed it in the fall, I spread a lot of seed out and, and I covered it with straw and that has helped me a lot with, you know, mud control with the pets and everything and, and, and my question is, is at what point do I take the straw up and, and, and can I leave it down too long or anything? I've got some baby grass growing and it looks, you know, pretty good in some of the areas, but it's not growing anymore. It's obviously stopped, I guess, with the winter time or something. But can, can you have straw down too long or what do you do with it? Do you just let it sit there? I, I really don't know. I'm well, first of all, if it's not too thick, then you're okay. 
you know, I'm not a real fan of straw, but if you've had great luck with it, that's, you know, that's fan, you know, that's great. Sometimes I think it, you know, holds too much moisture and then can cause problems for newly germinated grass seed. That's just my perspective. But uh, I would say if you go out there while the, you know, the grass seedlings are fairly young, so in other words, the root systems aren't deep into the soil, and you try to get pick that up or rake it up or anything else, you're just going to destroy the grass that you're trying to grow. So I would say just leave it alone. Okay, okay, okay. So you, you say you don't recommend putting straw down. What would you recommend? I mean, is there a, a product out there that's better than straw? Well, or? I, you know, I'd like to, you know, do a compost on top of newly, th- you know, spread seed. So like a, you know, half or quarter inch or so of compost as opposed to straw. So oh, really? I've, I've never really understood what the straw was supposed to do. It's supposed to, you know, protect it from the birds or moisture or anything else. But I'd rather make the soil better as a result of putting the compost down because a straw really never does break down. It just lays there. I guess in a few years it may break down, but it never really adds anything to the ground. And the compost, you know, does add to the ground, even if you're just putting it on the surface. If you're core aerating and spreading compost as routinely as you say, then this is just going to be another plus because you're feeding the soil with the compost, and the soil is really what feeds the plants. Fertilizer and all that other stuff is kind of more cosmetic than anything. I see. I see. So, so at this point, I, I really, uh, you know, pulling it up would damage it. So I'm just going to have to wait till they get a little bit bigger, like maybe in the spring, right? And then try to, to remove the uh, the straw, and, and then maybe go over that with compost. Yeah, just like a quarter inch or so. Now, how? What kind of grass seed did you put down? That's a great question. Um, I, I can't recall offhand, but it was just some sort of, um, you know, like a bluegrass or something like that. Okay. I can't quote the actual, uh, 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 you know, grade of it or anything. The ground I've got out here, I my opinion is, is it's got a lot of clay in it, and it's not a real great, you know, grass growing anyway. I'm I'm just I'm trying to get it all figured out. I'm really new at it. Right. Well, maybe you should take the philosophy my father always had. I grew up in Ellisville, West County, a lot of clay out there. And if it was green, that was fine with him. He didn't care. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> he had, there was four kids, dogs and everything else. So, I mean, whatever would, could withstand the, all the impact of all the kids and dogs and everything else, then uh, he was fine with it. Okay. All right. Well, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, thanks, Dan. And now let's go to let's stay in Illinois, go to Chester, Illinois, into Steve's yard. Hi, Steve. Hi there. Hey, uh, I have some Japanese maple here in New York, mm-hmm. and the leaves, they're brown, and they're still hanging on a tree quite a bit. Right. Quite a bit of them are still there. Is that, is there, does that mean the tree is good, in good shape, or is it dead? Or <laughs> No, no, it's fine. Most of the Japanese maples, especially if they're the ones that have the, let's say, really fine textured leaves as opposed to the the bigger, more maple tree-like, the ones that look like umbrellas, they're definitely holding on to their leaves all, you know, really for a long time, sometimes all the way through winter until the new buds open up and push off the old leaves. So oh, okay. this is not a problem at all. Okay. I'll just let her go then. Right. Okay. Thank you. Yep. And, uh, yeah, it's like certain trees hold on to the leaves a lot longer, and exposure and things like that can make it so sometimes it's even going to be more extended than, let's say, neighbors who, same Japanese maple variety and everything else, is has a different exposure, and their leaves may fall off, you know, let's say, sometime in February. 
So it's it's a little tough to tell. So thanks, Steve. And now let's go to Jennings, and that's where Charles lives. Hi, Charles. Uh, good morning. Hi. I have a tall evergreen tree, and now there's a atypical white fungus growing on it, and it's having a negative impact on the leaves. Are you familiar with something like that? Now, as if... This fungus or lichen or whatever it happens to be, it's growing on the trunk, right? Not on the needles. It's on the on the side of the, on the, on the side of the tree itself. Yeah, so it's probably just a lichen. It has nothing to do with any kind of impact on the tree in general. Okay. Well, something is is, is causing the leaves to turn brown as the as the tree ascends. I was wondering, and uh, I was told that it was a fungus. Now, is this a is this a, a tree with needles, or is this a tree with, let's say, a broad leaf like a magnolia or a holly? Uh, uh, needles, needles. So, so now uh, I would say up, up to the roof line, yeah, yeah. I would say this is a lichen, and it's probably on the north side that you're seeing this lichen. All it does is basically cover the bark. It doesn't have any impact at all on the needles. And this time of year is a time when needles on conifers, so on anything that has Let's say needles and pine cones and stuff like that. They they're dropping a lot of needles at this sort of juncture. Usually, they're interior needles. If it's needles all the way to the end of the branches, that's a little bit different story. But it sounds like to me you just have a lichen on there and you don't have a fungus problem. Okay, uh, but that's the information I was given by an arborist who came by and looked at it. That it was an atypical fungus that from time to time attacks evergreens well i guess there you know potentially could be but if it's just on one side of the bark and it's not out over the branches it's a lichen it's not a fungus and it uh at what, what what caught my attention was it was having a uh a, a impact on the needles making right. the needles turn brown the interior needles on conifers this time of year whether it's a pine whether it's a spruce or anything else they drop needles Okay. That's is that's just that's what a tree, you know those type of trees do this time of year. Whether it's a mugo pine, whether it's a Leland cypress, whether it's a you know whatever spruce okay. doesn't matter. Okay. So I'm not saying you don't have a fungus, but it does not sound like fungus to me. Okay. Okay. The other question is uh, around some evergreen shrubs I have. Uh, I can't seem to stop the honeysuckles from. Uh, getting in there, growing, and trying to take over among them. What can I do about that? Basically, the honeysucklers, because the birds like your evergreens, they eat the red berries of the honeysuckle, they come and sit on your evergreens, they go to the bathroom, those seeds drop to the ground, and the honeysuckle sprouts. So the only thing you can either do is go in there and dig them out individually, or you can actually very carefully take a type of roundup for killing woody plants and this time of year, herbicides are totally ineffective, so you can't do it now. You have to wait until the honeysuckle shrubs leaf out and then paint the honeysuckle leaves with this Roundup for killing woody plants. Okay. Okay. So that's around the springtime? Yeah, as soon as the leaves start coming out. Okay. Okay. Thank you, sir, for your show. Well, thank you for having me on your show. And again, you can get in there now and dig those honeysuckle out. When you look down in there, you'll tell you can tell right where the honeysuckle are going into the ground. 
So that could be done on a warmer day when you want to get out there and do something. But uh, if you want to use an herbicide, you're going to have to wait until there's foliage actually on the honeysuckle shrubs. Okay. But by and by, they're going to still keep coming by and dropping. Oh, dropping. absolutely. Birds love your evergreens. They like the protection from the cold winds and everything else. And they eat the honeysuckle berries because they're bright red and they're all over the place. So it's just, I mean, it's prolific. That's why they st- the honeysuckle started like in New York when they brought them virtually in from Japan as a sort of an ornamental type shrub. And they've sort of scattered and moved all the way, you know, here and further west than even us. Okay. Because of the birds eating the berries. Okay. Okay. What's a, what's a good feeding for evergreens then? Uh, anything that's a, just go to your favorite garden center and tell them you have evergreens. It'll be an acid-based fertilizer. Okay. It has iron and sulfur and things like that in it. Okay. All right. Okay. Thanks, Charles. Thank you. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Let's go, Blues! Joey Vitale here, and the puck drops this afternoon from Calgary as the Blues take on the Flames in their final game before the NHL's Christmas break. The pregame starting at 2.30 and face-off at 3, here on your home for Blues Hockey, KMOX. Let's go, Blues! This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Yes, folks, we're headed to Maystown, Illinois, and that's where Sandy lives. How are you, Sandy? <laughs> Whoops. How, how are you, Sandy? I'm great, Mike. How are you? Very, Very good. good. Uh, uh, Tracy and I have been to Maystown, Maystown several times. Don't you have, like, a, a a weekend where there's a bunch of antiques and all that kind of stuff, vendors? Oh, we have a couple of weekends, one, ah. in, the spring, one in the spring and one in the fall. Okay. okay. So come on down. All right. <laughs> We've been We'd there. Good, good. Um, I just have a couple of questions. We bought three holly bushes uh, just recently from a nursery, and they told us it's okay to go ahead and plant those now. Is that all right? Yeah, certainly you can plant them now, but just realize it's going to be very, very tough and difficult for them because we don't know what the weather's going to be like. They don't have a root system established, but make sure that they do not go through any kind of drought circumstance. So oh, you can either plant them you know, where you want to right now or leave them, in the plot, leave them in the pot, dig a hole, and just drop the pot back you know, down into the hole. The reason why I'm saying that's an option, it's easier to water the pot because of pot plastic will hold the moisture in a little bit more. You don't want to overwater them, but you definitely do not want to underwater any kind of broadleaf evergreen, which a holly is. Okay, and would we continue to water even if we are in a hard freeze? A ba- yeah, a hard freeze, that means the ground is frozen and the, the root systems can't absorb any moisture of frozen ground. So, you know, if there's a period of, let's say, 7 to 10 to 14 days where we don't have any rainfall, no snow, nothing like that, then you should take probably, I don't know what size these are, but at least a gallon of water out and pour it around. You know, if you leave it in the pot, just pour it into the pot. Or if it's in the ground, pour it all the way around the root system. Don't just pour it in one spot. Do you think we'd be better off to leave them in our garage, which stays around 45 to 50 degrees? Definitely not. Not. They, okay. need, they need light. Okay. Well, 
Well, we have a light. I mean, we have a window in our garage that they're sitting in front of now. It's, but um, I'm not sure that's enough light. No, it isn't. Okay. All right. And then in the spring, would we take the plant out and then take the pot off of it or just? Yes, that's what you would do. And prepare the soil ahead of time. And hollies, anything that's evergreen, likes an acidic soil. So, you know, you might want to get your soil tested to find out if you have enough iron in it, if you have enough sulfur, if it's acidic enough, those type of things. So you can prepare the soil and the location where you're going to, let's say, plant it permanently. Okay. All right. And then one other question. We have three crepe myrtles that we've had in the ground for about two and a half years. And they, all three total, have maybe gotten three blooms on them. Should we send them on their way? <laughs> are they in, are they in sunlight or are they in the shade? Are they near tree roots? They're in the sunlight. They and get a lot of sun, and they grow great. They get lots of leaves. They look beautiful, but they just get no blooms. When are you pruning? I prune usually um, either around this time or we've already pruned like maybe February. Uh, February might be a little bit late, you know, but it may be okay. Why they're not flowering, I think they're probably just funky varieties of crepe myrtle. And uh, if you want to be patient with them, you can. But if they're growing, getting leaves and everything else and no flowers, something's wrong with them. Yeah. Okay, that's kind of what I thought. Right. right. All right, well, thank you very much for your help. Well, thank, well, thank you. you, and we like Maystown for sure. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. Let's go stay in Illinois, and Belleville, that's where Paul lives. Hi, Paul. Hi, Mike. Hey, I had a quick question. We have, or we're going to be putting in some elevated uh, vegetable boxes mm -hmm. in the yard, uh, eight foot by five foot, two of them. What should I... What is the best thing to fill them up with? I'm going to have to buy the fill. Right. I would say go to yeah, go to St. Louis yeah. Composting. They have a location on Mine Hall Road there in the Belleville area and get a raised bed mix. This is formulated specifically for the circumstance you're speaking of. Okay. Uh, should we do it now or would it be okay to wait till the spring? Well, you can do it now okay. if you want to because then you get it, you know, where you know, you build your box, let's say you've already built it, or you know when you do, yeah. but just make sure that you churn and turn the soil that's you know at the bottom of it right now. In other words, at ground level. So when you add this new stuff into it, it's going to actually not have, let's say, more or less a compacted soil at the bottom that may impact the drainage through the whole thing. So mm -hmm. just make sure you do that, and then backfill it with you know the St. Louis you know raised bed mix stuff. Okay, my wife, the reason why we're doing this, my wife, well, we have problems with moles, and she wants to put, like, a screen mesh down on the bottom, um, like where the grass is now, to keep the moles out. You think that would work? You could go to that trouble, but it's, you know, it's probably not worth the effort, but if you want to do that, that's fine. Okay. Because the moles are really going after earthworms. You're probably not going to have earthworms, at least for a couple years, up into your raised bed circumstance. So they're just, okay. you know, they're tunneling around only because they hear earthworms moving through the soil. And then that's what draws them to a certain location. So if you've got good soil, you're going to have more earthworms, consequently, potentially more moles. 
Okay. But in a raised bed, I don't see them, you know, tunneling underneath and then going upwards. But if you want to put some kind of screen down, you can certainly do that. Okay. Well, thank you, Mike. Sir, that was my pleasure. And now let's go from Belleville to Baldwin. And Al, how are you today? Good morning. Merry Christmas. Same to you. Um, I had some workmen uh, in my yard, and they basically trampled the grass down into the mud in a in a certain area. And I know from experience, if the roots are good, it'll it'll come back. But is there anything I can do over the winter to enhance its chances to flourish in the spring? Basically, not. <laughs> I mean, okay. if anything, because of all this compaction and turned it to mud and everything else, you know, I mean, the soil is going to be super compacted. So realize that that's going to be problematic. So in the springtime, before you put any seed or sod or anything else. It, you know, you should probably work that area up, you know, with either a shovel or a rototiller or something like that. Level it back out before, like I said, before you put seed or sod down, because it's going to be so compacted, regardless of what you do, if you don't sort of turn that up and make it so it's more breathable, you're just going to end up wasting your money and time. Okay, appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Yep. And now let's get, uh, why don't we go to Creepcore and Sally, how are you? I'm great, Mike. How are you? Very good. <clears throat> Happy holidays. Well, same to you. Um, thank you. Um, I have a comment about your caller, your earlier caller, who's trying to grow grass in his front yard. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I, uh, I have had occasion where uh, areas of my yard have needed reseeding, uh, significant reseeding, and I am a believer in straw. I know that you're not. But what I see around town is that people put way too much right. straw. Very they much. literally cover the ground so you can't even see any of the soil beneath. Right. And that's not the purpose of the straw. Uh, what I use the straw for is to uh, maintain moisture. Right. I don't have an irrigation system, so it means that I have to water with a hose. And um, what the straw does is it helps to maintain a moisture level uh, in the ground. So... What I would recommend is if this um, caller has too much straw down to very carefully maybe remove some of that straw now, with, not with a rake necessarily, but maybe even with their hands so that Ooh. they can be very careful. But when the grass starts coming up in the spring, you don't mow it until it's really quite tall and ready to be mowed, and you mow over it. Um, and you mulch the straw. You don't rake it off. You let your lawnmower chop it up, and um, after a couple of mowings, two, three mowings, that straw will disappear. Okay. So that would be my recommendation for uh, that collar. It's worked for me. It works very well, and um, so I do recommend that process. But I do have a question. Sure. I have some hollies uh, in my front yard that uh, border my house. They're fairly close to the foundation. And all of them are have their mature hollies, their shrubs. And they're all doing very well except one that's on the corner. And um, over time, over the last few years, I have had to prune out some dead out of the, the holly. And I've made sure that it got plenty of water, and it was uh, fed with a um, with ironite is what I use mm-hmm. um, for the hollies. And I have noticed some new growth from the base of the holly um, 
And I was just wondering, can I expect this holly over time to rejuvenate itself and maybe become a full bush again? Uh, If you've got about 20 years. Oh, I see. (laughs) So it's going to be a long, slow, involved process. But what you can do, rather than taking this one out and putting a brand new one in, since you are seeing some new growth coming up, just buy a small small holly of the same variety and plant it in close proximity and let them grow together. That way you can get the impact without having to fool around with pulling one out and sticking another new one in. Oh, well, that's an idea. I hadn't thought of that. All right. Well, thank you very much, Mike. Have a great holiday, and we'll see you next year. Yes, thank you, and uh, thanks for your insight on the straw. But I agree with you completely. Too many people put too much down, and that is very, very problematic. So you've got it down to a science. Thanks, Sally. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Yes, your Christmas spirit. Thanks for spending your holiday season with us. From our family to yours, Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays from KMOX. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, any questions, concerns, or comments, like uh, was that Sally from Creepcore related to straw, you can call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head back over to Illinois and go to Troy and see what's going on in Lynn's yard. Hi, Lynn. Um, go ahead, Lynn. A couple of, yes, I've got a couple of um, uh, blue spruce. And the tallest one is like 44 inches. And I, I was wondering how big of a hole I need to dig to get those out and transplant them. Basically, you're going to the hole to, so you're digging these up out of the ground. So you want to come out about three fourths of the way from the trunk to the extension of the branches. You're going to go all the way around with a spade. I think you may have sent me an email or somebody did a similar question and concern. And, uh, then you're going to go cut all the way around, a whole circle all the way around. Then you're going to start driving the spades. Spades better than a shovel. Shovels for digging holes. Spades for, you know, this to this, this type of work. And start prying it up and then, dig, you know, basically pull it up out of the hole. The hole that you're going to dig to put the, you know, to transplant it is going to be three times the diameter of the root ball. So whatever size it is, you know, once you pull it up out of the ground, three times that, but only about 80% as deep because you want the top, the crown of the spruce above the surrounding ground. Okay, because it's just a few inches from the, uh, you know, from the trunk to the drip line. So A few inches and the tree is 40 some odd inches high? Yeah. Wow. That's, they're, not, they're not very spread out. <laughs> so then go, let's say, that if it's that small, then go a couple inches beyond the drip line. Because usually okay. blue spruce are, you know, wider at the bottom than that. Yeah, well, they look, they look like blue spruce. You know, I'm not really 100% sure. But. They might be Alberta spruce. Okay. And, you know, because they're going to be more of a compact growth. But if that's the case, then go, you know, slightly, a couple inches beyond the drip line, go all the way around, 
you know, and cut a, you know, cut it. So what you're doing is severing some of the roots, and then you're going to dig, you know, pry, like I said, pry, go all the way around it for a second time, and pry so you can finally, finally pop it up and get it up out of the hole. Okay. And how deep do I need to go? Uh, just one spade deep, so about 10 inches or so. Okay. All right. Thank you. Yep. And three times the diameter of the root ball, but only 80% is deep. Because if you plant it right at grade, it could settle and sink, and then water will sit around it, and then that's it's a goner. So let's go to Clayton. And Sebastian, how are you today? Morning, Mike. Go ahead. I have a oak tree. My, my leaves are uh, still on the tree. Uh, other oak trees have lost most of the trees. I think my, that means my tree is a little healthier. <laughs> maybe I maybe it's because I water it during the summertime. That could certainly be the case. There's a a park here that I'm looking out over on the let's say on the north side of the Soldiers Memorial. There's quite a few oak trees, and some of them are still hanging on to the leaves, and other ones are not. So sometimes it's variety wise, sometimes it's weather wise, sometimes it's exposure. But oaks have a tendency to hold right. onto the leaves longer than other trees, definitely. Hey, Mike. A lot of people don't know you. You like to wear shorts yes. all year long. So you have your. Do you have your shorts on today? Oh, absolutely. Um, do you have hairy legs? <laughs> well, I'm 70 years old. They used to be hairy. Now they're not quite as hairy. Uh, well, um, are you a homosexual? <laughs> it makes. I think that makes you look gay. <laughs> Well, sorry. No, I'm not a homosexual. I mean, Tracy can just call her and ask her. <laughs> uh, so anyway, yeah, I have, you know, I deny there's a winter. And the way I deny it is by wearing shorts year-round. I don't care if it's 50 below zero and I walk every morning before the sun's up or, you know, right at sunrise. So it's just that's an attitude I decided to have. So let's go to Centralia, Illinois, and see what's going on with Bill. Bill, how are you? I'm fine. I uh, planted uh, those walnuts, like you said, and I planted them in a, a mixture of uh, mainly potting soil with some soil. And uh, is there anything I should add, or maybe they'll come out? or? Yeah, you don't need to add anything. No fertilizer, nothing like that. Uh, you know, you sh- it sounds like you've done everything just right. And I'll know by spring whether something's coming up or not. Right. It probably won't be necessarily really early in the spring, but um, so just Late. just be real patient. Yeah. Because it's going to be okay. all related to the ground temperature being warm enough, then consequently yeah. triggering, let's say, the walnuts, let's say, sprouting. Then however deep they are, then they've got to sprout up out of, you know, to make it up to the surface. So just be real patient. This is in a square container, kind of above the ground. Right. So, well, then I feel better than about it. Yeah, so just be patient because it may, you know, it could take a lot longer than what you might think. Okay. And I think that uh, I'm in a, I'm a, like you with the shorts, anything that green is green and I can mow okay. And then the second is I love clover. All right. So we're kind of, 
almost I'm almost seventy, so it kind of puts us there <laughs> our own things. Right. Yeah. My father just said he. We had, you know, when we moved to Ellisville, we were the, you know, basically as a new subdivision development and everything else. Some of the uh-huh. people spent so much time and effort trying to get a lawn, and it was an area that was actually converted from an orchard into a housing development. And he just, his, I, you know, his attitude was just, if it's green, that's, you know, because we had maple trees. We had 13 maple trees in our yard, yeah. so that made it really tough, too. So if it was green, it was perfect with him. Well, you have a Merry Christmas, Mike, and I appreciate your services over all these years. Thank well, you. Well, thank you, and certainly, uh, you know, happy holidays to everybody. And uh, if anybody has any questions, we've got a couple people on the phone, but you can certainly call and get in line, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. This is a time, you know, we kind of get involved in a lot of different things, But make sure that, and especially the evergreens, whether they're needled evergreens or they have broadleaf evergreens, consequently, they got to have moisture. So if we have extended periods, especially with the way this wind has been some of these days, it really dehydrates the ground and then consequently could have, let's say, adverse impact on any kind of evergreen. So our faucets are probably turned off. So you may have to carry buckets of water from inside to the outside or figure out some other way to do it or buy gallons of water. No, you don't want to buy the water. But uh, just make sure that your evergreens are moist enough because they can have some really severe damage if the soil gets too dry. So Anyway, we got another hour, the tip of the trial hour, so I will see you after the news. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome to the second hour of the Garden Hotline. I'll be giving the tip of the trial shortly, but you can call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with questions, concerns, or comments. Mr. Kelly, before you take off... I understand that your wife has called in and told you what those green yeah, I, mushrooms I, in Florida were. I called the real expert. <clears throat> no, just <laughs> kidding. Uh, my wife says it's a fern. Ah. Yes. So I'll have to do a little more research as well. I trust her, though. Right. I trust her. You know, she's always right. <laughs> you know how that is. Absolutely. You do. You do. <laughs> so I trust her on this one. Okay. And well, all the other right. ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't see any green mushroom in your... <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, and it, it didn't feel like a mushroom. It just had that look to it. Kind of right. like it could be some kind of a growth like that. Not just fungus. Yeah. Now it's <laughs> no. a fern. All right, okay. ferns. Thanks for the update. And the traffic update, too. Because I, you know, I don't know how long that traffic circumstance is going to last, but usually I leave here if I'm headed towards home. Uh, and I go down 55, so I'm going to stay away from there, go down Gravoy. So, folks, thanks for having me on your show, and you can give a call. We can talk about plant selection up and down and all around. Your annuals, hmm, annuals probably not even the pansies, which are pretty much cold tolerant. I think they're pretty much gone. Your bulbs, so your spring flowering bulbs, they shouldn't be doing too much, but your bulbs like amaryllis, They should be doing very well inside or paper white narcissus or even regular hyacinths. So there's all kinds of stuff like that. Uh, Maybe ground covers. How are they looking? Too much uh, fallen leaves catching up in your ivies. What should you do? How about your house plants? Just in general, your poinsettia looking good. 
And if you did buy a poinsettia, make sure, or if you're going to get one, if it's really cold, that you put it in a pretty good you know, bag when you take it out from the store or the garden center to your car because some damage could happen just in a few, you know, let's say a minute or so. How's your lawn looking, your perennials, your roses, your trees, your shrubs, your vines, your water gardens? I'll share uh, my thoughts, but remember my answers, comments, and opinions are certainly not the only garden path to take, but strictly offered for you to consider. Greg is producing today, always doing a great job. And uh, during the week, I do landscape consulting, which I call a walk and talk. If you'd like for me to come to your home and do a walk and talk, help you answer some of the problems, whether aesthetics or anything else, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, the homepage, my email address or phone number is listed right there. And if you'd like to give a walk and talk to somebody for a Christmas gift, I do. I can email you a gift certificate and uh, put the person's name on it, and then they can contact me whenever they like. The tip of the trial is a special recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me, and it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. I'm going to give multiple tip of the trials today. One, first of all, June Hudson again, for sitting in for me last week. I greatly appreciate it. Tracy and I, you know, this time of year, South St. Louis, fantastic as far as the lighting and inflatables and everything else. But there is one house that's really into inflatables. It's basically on the south side of the Target store on Hampton. Their entire front yard is filled with inflatables. We tried to count them. We couldn't really tell, but there was like 25 plus. You got breaking news? Yeah, they have now closed northbound 55 at Carondelet. So you have to get off there at Carondelet and River City Boulevard. And I guess go up Broadway maybe or take Carondelet over and Wind north through. from there. Yeah. Right. So northbound 55 is closed at Carondelet now. Ooh, sounds horrible. But anyway, this house uh, down by Target on Hampton... There was at least 25-plus inflatables in their yard. I mean, you could not see anything but inflatables. So I kept sitting there waiting because we were just fascinated by the number of them, waiting for the sort of the whole yard just to be elevated by all the inflatables. Also, at the Botanical Garden on December 26th, which is Wednesday, Kwanzaa, the Festival of First Fruits, and the United States Postal Service is going to unveil its newest Kwanzaa stamp, at the Botanical Garden on the 26th. So if you'd like to go to the Botanical Garden the day after Christmas and help celebrate Kwanzaa, you could certainly head down to the Botanical Garden and do that on the 26th. And you can go to mobot.com or .org, sorry, and uh, find out more information related to that. And then also recycling extravaganza, St. Louis Earth Day Association. They're going to have a January 2019 recycling extravaganza on Saturday, January 12th from 11 to 2. And this is going to be actually on one of the Botanical Garden parking lots, but it's at the one at Shaw. It's, an ex- it's not on the main campus of the Botanical Garden. It's at Shaw and South Vandeventer. And what they want to do is, because it's past the holiday season, uh, you know, electronics, holiday lights, bicycles, anything that you just want to get rid of. St. Louis Earth Day, they're partnering with STL City Recycles, and they're going to host the event for on January 12th from 11 to 2. And that's so you can get rid of some of the stuff that maybe they even going to have paper shredding and other things as well. So extra stuff as, you know, 
So Kwanzaa, recycling, and inflatables, and some spectacular people have done wonderful jobs with some of the seasonal lighting. So Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. We'll be back after these messages. Hi, this is KMOX Health and Religion Editor Fred Bottomer. From my family to your family, wishing you the best of the holidays. Happy holidays from KMOX. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, any questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Germantown, Illinois, that's where Mark lives. Mark, how are you today? Morning, Mike. Hi. For my call. I was listening when the caller called in about bringing, uh, building a raised bed garden and getting soil from the, for, the, for the garden. Yeah. Would that type of soil also work for our container, container planting? Uh. It should, you know, it should, but, you know, personally, I like to, in containers, you know, in pots, I like to use just regular potting mix that's, you know, let's say Scots or whatever. But, yeah, you know, depending upon, uh, it should work fine. There shouldn't be a problem with it. But personally, you know, I don't always agree with everything, just like straw or whatever it happens to be. And it's just my own personal experience. I like the potting mixes as opposed to using the raised bed mix, but I'm sure it would work fine for you because it's going to be well-drained and everything else. Well, I do a lot of containers. Ah, so and, do I. And that's the reason I was wondering if that would work. Yeah. I mean, I probably right now I have maybe 12 or, let's say, 12 or 13 containers out. Some of them are like 30 inches across, and some of them are only about uh, 14 or 15 inches across. Yeah. Requires a lot of potting soil. <laughs> you aren't kidding. I mean, I built it up over the years. I haven't, and I don't throw it away at the end of the season like okay. some people recommend yeah. doing. I just put it in Rubbermaid tubs and put it in the garage and leave it sit and just bring it out and, you know, fill the pot with about 80% of the used stuff, prior season stuff, with about 20% new. Okay. Well, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Thanks. And thanks for hanging on. You hung on for a long time. Let's go now to South County. And, John, how are you today? I'm fine, Mike. How are you doing? Personally, I think those shorts of yours look kind of cute. (laughs) 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 Okay. Speaking of shorts, um, I've got this ornamental grass that I bought last year. And it's about a 12 inches high and about an 18 inch clump after it kind of flares out. Mm-hmm. Now, what I, I, a couple of questions. When can I trim those back? Basically, any of the ornamental grasses, since they're, I mean, they're dormant now, you can go ahead and just cut them, you know, probably one of that size. You could cut it back down to about four or five inches. So, okay, and I can do that now? Yeah, you can do it now or you can wait. And leave the blades because sometimes the blades will help protect the plant, you know, the crown of the plant. So, in other words, the let's say the growing point of the plant where the root system and the blades meet. Uh, you can wait until uh, the worst part of the winter is over and then cut it off at that time. But a lot of people just cut them off, you know, at this time because if you don't, they start shattering and the blades will end up all over your yard. Well, these are just little bitty things. And uh, they look kind of nice, but I want to move some of them. They, when I planted them last year, they did so well mm-hmm. that they're too close together. Right. So I want to kind of spread them apart. Don't do that this time of year. No, 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 no. Okay. I, about in the spring, right? Yeah. After it's warmed up, maybe in April or May. Yeah, you don't have to wait that long. But, yeah, sometime after, let's say, mid-March. Okay. 
All right. Now, next, another question. The botanical garden in one of their uh, uh, beds out by the parking lot has got these short little bushes with loaded with red berries. I think, you know, I'm not positive about that. You know, as much as I go there and do the good gardening stroll and everything else, uh, probably what you can do is just, you know, call them or go online and look at mobot.org. But I think those might be Nandina Domestica, Heavenly Bamboo. But I'm, you know, that's kind of a guess because I can't, you know, I can't think of what it is. Well, they're always spectacular. Right. And I'd like to get some of those and plant them around my property here. But I don't know where to find them. But if you go there, they always have signs in front of, you know, there might be 20 plants, so you might have to walk along and look at the tag. Each individual plant will have a tag on it, and you can look just down into the plant and find the tag, or you can look at the more, let's say, display sign, which will tell you what it is. But I'm thinking it's Nandina Domestica, so in other words, heavenly bamboo, though it's not technically or truly a true bamboo. Well, now... How would uh, how would I find that plant? Most garden centers have them. They do. Yes. Oh, okay. All right. Hey, well, thanks a lot. Happy holidays. Well, same to you. And uh, yeah, I think you know I should know which ones you're talking about because I got a couple rows of various different things across the front, but I think it's heavenly bamboo. But uh, if somebody knows for sure, you can give a call and let us know. Let's go now. Stay in South County and go to Oakville into Linda's yard. Hi, Linda. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, first of all, I'd like to give you an apology for that previous caller's comments and ask him personal questions. I mean, that is not what our show is all about. <laughs> and <laughs> you're just a wonderful person that always helps us out so much, and we appreciate it. And I'd like to also ask, I had, I don't know what has happened to me lately, but I've had bad luck with Christmas cactuses. I had a very old one that I overwatered, and then I got a tiny one that was maybe in a two-inch pot mm. that didn't last either. So I bought a beautiful one this year. It's in a huge pot. Maybe it's in a plastic pot, maybe about eight inches or ten inches across. That's big. I'm not sure. It's a big one. And I've seen conflicting ideas on watering. How, you know, how often or what should I look at or feel before I water this. I don't want to kill another one. Right. I would say if you think, you know, if you have any doubt about watering, don't. They're going to be able to withstand a drought circumstance much better than a moist circumstance. So uh, with, let's say, cyclamen, which I grow, and other things that I grow as far as houseplants go, I just wait until the, you know, and if this is really stuffed, you might have to look down in there kind of close, but until the potting mix starts shrinking away from the inside of the pot and there's a, there's a gap there, then I don't necessarily water right then, but I just realize within the next few days I should give it some water. Then I water, and then depending upon the size of the, you know, what type of plant, the size of the pot and everything else, it may be another four or five plus weeks before I would water again. Oh, okay, because I just read online that they like a moist environment, and I didn't think that was... No, I don't know who would say that, but they don't want moist. I mean, they're from a tropical okay. part of the world, but they where they grow is, you know, in a circumstance that's very, very well drained. So they, there's no moisture retained, and when you're in a pot, it's going to retain the moisture, regardless of how, you know, how many drainage holes are on the bottom or anything else. Okay. All right, thank you very much. Merry yep. Christmas. Well, same to you. And now Villa Ridge into Chris's yard. Hi, Chris. 
Hey, Mike, how you doing today? Very good. Good. Hey, I got a question. I have a walnut grove on my property that probably has somewhere between 25 and 35 walnut trees. Wow. And, um, yeah, and uh, some of them are pretty dinky, you know, maybe two inches. And this, this thing's been around a while because some of the other ones are probably four inches, maybe five inches around. And I'm trying to decide, do I call out the smaller ones to help the others out or whatever? And, and they actually planted them in a pattern, you know, a diagonal pattern. So I'll lose that pattern if I cut out the small ones. But if that'll help it, I'll do that. Sensor, uh, so how far apart are they? Um, I would, they're big enough that I can get a five foot brush hog through them. So they're, uh, that's still pretty close because eight feet, 10 feet. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty darn close because you know how big walnuts get. So Mm -hmm. ultimately you're going to have to thin it somewhat regardless if you do it now or if you do it later. So, because you want to have, you know, the branches being able to spread, you don't necessarily, you know, need to worry about, let's say, when they're, they're 40 or 50 years old. But within the next few years, they're going to get, some of them are going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. My assumption is they were probably planted at the same time. And the ones that are not, let's say, as big as the others, they may not mm-hmm. have a well-developed root system or something. So I would certainly consider taking those out. Yes, it's going to ruin your pattern, but it sounds like they're too close together anyway. Oh, okay. So maybe I should just take out entire rows or something to right. give them some some extra room. Exactly. Okay. Well, cool. Thank you very much. Yeah, because, I mean, walnut trees get massive. I mean, there's no getting around it. And uh, let's go to South County and into Tom's yard. Hi, Tom. Hey, good morning. How are you today, Mike? Very good. Uh, two things. First of all, uh, 25 inflatables is nothing compared to the house that's at the corner of Town Center South and Ams Road in South County. They must have at least 100 inflatables in that garden. I'm not not exaggerating. It's the most most inflatables I've ever seen anywhere. Uh, And secondly, my sister didn't bring her uh, aloe plant it's a pretty good-sized aloe plant in, and uh, it got it, it went through a hard freeze and it died. Right. And she was if that happens again, hopefully it won't. I don't understand why she never brought it in, but she didn't. And she, and she said it bled, and it looks like it it looks like it's real blood coming out of the plant. Have you ever heard of that? Well, is you, there any way to bring them back in case they go through a hard freeze? No, they're not going to come back. I mean, they're virtually dead. But yeah, when the sap freezes, let's say the interior sap. On the aloes, this is, you know, that's kind of what happens as far as the coloration goes. Huh. I've never heard of that. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, you probably haven't, you know, known somebody that's had them freeze like this. But I, you know, that's, I saw that happen. We had some when I was working at the botanical garden. I was helping in the, you know, the desert house at that time. And there were some in pots that were just kind of routinely left outside. They were just kind of a welcome to the desert house. And then every year, whenever you know they would freeze, we'd get rid of them. But the sap would be have a reddish color to it. Ah, interesting. Okay, thank you very much. Have a great show. Yep, thank you. And uh, let's see, one more call before we take a break. And Bob lives in Bridgeton. Hi, Bob. Hi, Mark. Good morning. Hi. Hey, 
my question is, I was listening to you talk to the gentleman with uh, the front yard issue. Well, uh, I got a better one than that. I got 17 grandkids that use my front yard. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and so anyway, it is doing better. I uh, planted, I aerated this fall and planted uh, tall fescue and mm-hmm. it started coming up. But my question is, uh, next spring, when I aerate again, uh, I've noticed they have an aerator that is a slit seeder, and then I saw one that was an overseeder. So which aerator should I use? And then where is a good place to get bulk mulch, um, uh, bulk uh, compost to put over that after I'm done? Right. Well, the bulk compost, you know, is St. Louis compost, and that's, you know, you're close to the, probably the one in Florissant, which is on, uh, let's say, you know, it's on County Park Road. So it's just yeah, off. 367. You know, yeah, I think it's off. It's just off Lindbergh, so it's fairly close. But as right, far as, so one, you know, this, oh, as yeah. far as core, you know, the aeration, I prefer a core aerator, which takes kind of plugs out of the ground that look like wine bottle right. corks. Well, that's what these are, it looks like. Their core aerator, but it's a slits uh, seeder too. Yeah, you don't need to, the slit seeding, you know, will actually, you put grass seed, and if you want to add more grass seed, you could certainly use that. Okay. All right. But getting back to the St. Louis compost, when I went on their website uh, this summer, they don't list that one off of Lindbergh as where you can get compost. They list, uh, Valley Park, and I forget where the other one was. There was only two that you could get it from. Well, that's kind of surprising. So I would check, you know, check their website again, stlcompost.com, because I've been to the one up on, it's on County Park Road, and uh, it's at 364 in Lindbergh. And, uh, right, right. I know exactly where it is. Okay, so I'm surprised because I've been there and I've seen the compost. All right. I will check that out. All right. Thank you, sir. Certainly. Thank you. And Mr. Kelly? Yeah, just check the uh, MoDOT cameras again, and it looks like they just reopened northbound 55 at Carondelet. I know we just had a caller who got there just before they opened it. It was closed for a while, but it looks like northbound 55 is now open again at Carondelet. Perfect. And, you know, sorry for the people that had the accident or whatever caused it to be closed. Ugh. Yeah. Nothing could be worse than that. But uh, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Hey, guys, it's Alex Ferrario. Join me and Amy Mark Scores for Chili's Week in Hockey as we dive deep into the blue season every Monday night. Notes from around the league and everyone's favorite, what's up with that? 8 to 10 Monday nights on KMOX. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Certainly pruning this time of year, but it's always advisable not to prune on maple trees, birches, and beaches. It's advised to do those as far as pruning goes, limbing up and everything else. 
in the summertime, less sap flow. So it's not really all that. It won't be deadly or anything else, but most of the other trees, you could certainly prune this time of year. But still remember, anything that flowers in the springtime, if you prune, you're cutting off flower buds for next spring. Doesn't hurt them, but that's what happens as a result of the, the amount of flowering. George lives in Sunset Hills. George, how are you? Pretty good. How are you doing today? Very good. I've got a quick question. I heard you talking about blue spruces. Uh, I bought five from Costco, beautiful trees. Uh, all of them over time died. I went to Kirkwood Material, that's who was helping me uh, with them. And they said, really, this is not blue spruce country. Right. Uh, okay, right. So is, is there another alternative to them that is similar? It's my wife's favorite tree. Uh, there's not going to be an alternative unless you look at, let's say, there's some of the varieties of junipers that have a bluish cast to them, but they're not going to look like blue spruce by any means. So that would be the only you know option. And the junipers, why I'm saying that, that's the cedars. But like I said, there's some hybrids that have a bluish color to them. And because they're native, you can see them along the highway and everything else. But really, anything that's evergreen like that with needles on it, like you know, whether it's a spruce, whether it's a pine, whether it's a juniper, they cannot take a wet soil. And that's where the real problem comes in. Weather is you know, important, but if they're in a poorly drained situation, even if you dig a wide hole and the root system finally go out and, let's say, bang into heavy-duty clay soils, then that's kind of almost dooming them. So it's really not worth, uh, it really, it appears not to worth my money to buy them and try to plant them. You know, I see some that are 40 foot tall. Right. Town. Those are anomalies, I guess. Exactly. And during the time when those were getting that big, there was a lot of them that did, have not survived. So there are going to be, you know, like you, what you said, there's going to be some that, you know, are exceptional in the situation Perfectly in perfect environment for them, but still it's going to make us, you know, it's, a lot of people think, well, why isn't mine doing that? And it's just, it's really tough to grow, you know, pretty much evergreens here. Okay. Very good. Very good. I appreciate no suggestions on, you know, what, how I might shortstop that or anything. Now, uh, you know, just plant them high, really well-drained soil. Don't add sand to the soil, nothing like that. Just, uh, you know, that's. If I was going to do anything, if I was trying to plant, let's say, a conifer like what you're speaking of, I'd probably dig the hole and I'd backfill probably a third of the hole with like two-inch river rock so to help with the drainage situation and just make sure then the top 20% of the root ball is above the surrounding ground. Wow. Okay. Because she chastised, because I did, last year I planted them with a wood ball above the ground Boy, did she chastise me about that! No, no, you should have it above the you know above the ground because if there's any settling, then it could settle to the point where water could pool around the trunk, and that's going to be certainly instant death. Very good, thank you very much. Certainly, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. And now let's go to South County and see what's going on with Dawn. Dawn, how are you? Good morning. I'm fine. Great. I have a question regarding uh, peace lily. Um, I've had this peace lily for a little over a year, mm -hmm. and um, it had the flowers on it. And then once the flowers died off, it never flowered again. So I'm really not sure what to do or how to get it to flower. 
they're they're to be honest with you, they're very very diff, very difficult as a house plant. So that's where the problem comes in as far as the amount of light and everything else. So you may end up with just having one that's going to just give you the foliage and may never flower even if you have it for 10 or 15 years. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's growing beautifully. Right. I have beautiful foliage. It's just I don't see any flowers. No. And I didn't know if, it, if it's because maybe if the pot was too small or um, – and I'm, I'm very diligent in when to water, when not to water. Um, but I just didn't know if maybe – Putting it into a different pot would allow it to flower more. No, that won't have any impact at all. And a lot of, in reality, house plants really want to be pot bound, so they want to be want it to be tight. But uh, th- this plant just, uh, you know, when they're coming out of the greenhouses, they're using all kinds of specially type things to trigger them to go into flower to, you know, entice people to buy. But to to have those chemicals available, they're not going to be available to the normal, let's say, homeowner. And so, consequently, you cannot duplicate what's going on in the greenhouse circumstance in the growing ranges. And so, consequently, you may never again see flowers on this particular one. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, I'll just enjoy the foliage that I have. Right. And what you can do, too, just to maybe get another tip beyond what I'm saying, is go to, you know, Mobot, M-O-B-O-T dot org, Missouri Botanical Garden, their website, and see what they say about them. But I can remember even some, you know, that they were in the Climatron, they, you know, were not reliable rebloomers. Okay. All right. Well, that gives me a little bit more easiness on my thoughts on this <laughs> because i mean we're like okay come on flower 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 <laughs> right because i mean if you got healthy foliage you're doing everything exactly right but triggering that flowering is a different circumstance okay all right very good well thank you so much for taking my call and the information and have a merry christmas you do the very same thing and my pleasure taking your call benton illinois into mary's yard hi mary good morning mike hi I planted um, tulip bulbs and, and, and crocus and daffodils the day after Thanksgiving in pots, mm-hmm. and I think it did a good job, and I, I put them on the ground right off the, the patio. I didn't think they belonged on concrete, and, I, and I, I, we've had ample rainfall and all that, but something is beginning to dig in them. So I, 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 after I planted them, I thought about all the squirrels, you know, around here right. and the coons and everything. Two of the pots I moved up on a bench that's on concrete block, and I. But that's sort of under the eaves, so I know that's not a good place. But it's not going to be easy for me to move that concrete block. Do you have any suggestions? Would critter ritter work in the winter, or is it too cold to be active? Or it's it's kind of a really hit and miss type circumstance. What you might try is you know getting Irish Spring soap and putting Irish Spring soap. You know, don't put a full bar in each pot, but just cut up some pieces and sprinkle it on the top. Would that not contaminate the soil? Or no, anything? it really shouldn't. Okay. Because okay. I, I mean, I use it because I, I don't use it for what your circumstance is, but I have a stop sign, and you know, we're on a corner and intersection of two streets, and the neighborhood male dogs, as they're walking by, they like to mark this, you know, this stop sign. So I just started putting Irish Spring soap, and the plant material, I have gold moss growing underneath it, uh, hasn't been affected by it at all. Okay, I'll, I will certainly follow your suggestion, 
enjoy the sunshine today and Merry Christmas. Yeah, same to you. And another thing, too, like somebody called about related to deer. If you got, let's say, a short stake, you might try hanging an aluminum pie pan, you know, so it can kind of bang around against the stake that you're hanging on and see if that can kind of keep the critters away. We have deer, too. Oh, you're right. Okay. Thanks, Mike. Sure. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Yes, folks, if you're into skiing, I believe Hidden Valley is opening today. Yeah, I'm not a skier. (laughs) I'm a slider. (laughs) Randy lives in Sunset Hills. Hi, Randy. Good morning, Michael. Hi. I have a question regarding um, compost in the front yard for seeding a lawn. I've tried the straw before, and I probably used too much. But then it was recommended that I try using uh, sorghum peat moss that comes in huge, big bags. And I tried that, and it didn't work out too well. Is that a bad thing to do? Yeah, you know, peat moss is not a thing that really spreads well. So I would say, again... You know, St. Louis Composting has a specific type of compost for spreading over turf when you put seed down. I'll have to go and see them then. Yeah. Our little Valley Park, it's close. Right, very close to you. Excellent. Thank you so much. Merry Christmas. Well, same to you. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I mean, the sphagnum peat moss and the straw, either one. I know the lady from Creep Course said she's had great luck with it as far as the straw goes. And, you know, I mean, the sphagnum peat moss, it comes in huge bales, but that takes a lot, depending upon, I don't know how big your yard is, but in Sunset Hills, it's not going to be small like some of the yards in the city. So thanks, Randy. And now let's go to Joe in Collinsville. Hi, Joe. Good morning, Mike. Hi. Hey, I um, got a, oh, seven or eight of these pear trees that I kind of use for privacy in the summertime. One, the one right in the middle, has uh, the leaves started dying right in the center of the tree. Now, these trees are 20 feet tall. Mm-hmm. Planted them 11 feet apart. The branches are about to touch. Uh, somebody said this is fire blight. And they said the reason, uh, the way to tell is that the leaves are still hanging on now. They are. They're black. They're hanging on in on this tree. All the other leaves are gone. And uh, do you think it is? And if it is, would I be better off to try to uh, cut those branches off the tree or take the whole tree out in hopes of saving the others? Or do you think all of them are infected now anyway? You don't have fire blight. Fire blight only impacts the ends of branches. So like the end of certain branches, it could be multiple branches on an individual tree, but they, the leaves during the growing season, when all the leaves are green, all of a sudden you start seeing, like I said, 12 to 15 inch sections at the end of the branch turning black. So in other words, it looks like somebody took you know, a flamethrower or something and burnt that particular branch. That's where the, how the name you know, fire blight came about. So you do not have you know, fire blight whatsoever. All the Bradford pears, you know, in this part of the city where I do all my walking and everything, majority of them are still holding on to quite a few leaves. Well, the other ones are the leaves are down and right in the center, center spot, maybe like a circle in the middle of the tree, like uh, 30, 30 inches in diameter. 
but they did die all the way back on the branch, back to the trunk. The leaves, just these, uh, the one tree. Yeah, but, I mean, again, the fire blight only Im- impacts pretty much, you know, the end of the branches. The main d- damage is happening as a result of the sap on the inside is carrying the fire blight disease in it. So if you wanted to, you could certainly take it out, but I don't think that that's what your problem is. It sounds like to me, you know, in this particular circumstance, there's some been some damage to this particular branch or something along that line as opposed to a fire blight circumstance. And if it is fire blight, which I'm not, you know, it could be, the, the root system of these pr- trees are already growing uh, probably on top of each other because of the size of the tree and how long they've been in. So the fire blight is being transmitted uh, underground from one tree to one tree that has it to the other trees that don't. Oh, so then in the spring, if the other ones don't get the blackening on the very ends of the branches, I'm okay. Right, exactly. And these, the the, the one branches and that kind of died in the center, that's just sort of an oddity. Right. You know, who knows, you know, yeah. I mean, you see, you know, you see trees and you wonder why is this happening? And there's a bunch of them, the same varieties, and it's nothing happening to that. There's so many possibilities out there. It's unbelievable. Well, that's good news. Thank you. Certainly. And it, the, if the branch that you're speaking of doesn't leaf out in the springtime, just go ahead and have a, you know, prune it off. If it's a long branch, cut it off in sections, you know, one third at a time with the final cut being about, a, you know, let's say a quarter to a half inch stub. So it can actually have the cambium layer heal over and, you know, let's say heal that tree at that particular spot where it's been pruned. Yeah. So maybe a half a dozen six seven branches like they form like a circle in the middle of the tree that right out. i would say that's not fire blight sounding wonderful great so just cut off those branches if they don't leaf out again this upcoming spring all right thanks mike certainly and now let's go to daniel in the city hi daniel yeah Suppose a neighbor planted a tree too close to somebody's property. Is there something you can stick in the ground uh, that might happen to kill that tree? <laughs> no, but when you know that they're out of town, you can go over and cut a one-inch strip all the way around the trunk. No, there's really nothing you can do. You can't, you can't, you can't, okay. Uh, so there's nothing you can put in the ground or a stake or anything like that that would, uh, you know, Kill the kill the roots. Yeah, maybe a stick of dynamite. No, there's not really anything. What yeah, you know, what could kill them is if you let's say you had something that could come in and tear up the root systems that are coming into your yard. But you know, it's the tree is if if it's healthy, it's going to regenerate the root growth and it's going to be much more aggressive. So the problems it's causing you is even going to get worse. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, there's nothing you can really do to kill that wouldn't kill the tree. So there's, I mean, let's go to Mike now, and Mike's in the county. Hi, Mike. Good morning, Mike. Thank you. Uh, real quick, um, I've always trimmed my elderberry and roses uh, middle fall before it gets too cold. I've heard that's the way to go. This year I read that it's better to do it in uh, middle to late February. I'd like your opinion on that real quick. And also, uh, the guy with the spruce, I've got a magnificent 50-foot, I think it's a Canada. And they're great trees if you plant them right and but they take a lot of work and take a lot of trimming and the inner, inner branch is just to be aware of that. Right. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, exactly. And the roses basically, you know, 
I, you know, the Rose Society and everything else says wait before you prune your roses until after a very hard freeze, which is usually kind of after Thanksgiving, before mid-December. That's when it's, you know, the Rose Society recommends pruning roses, whether they're hybrids, grandiflores, or anything else. The shrub-type roses really don't need to be pruned. You can cut off the dead stuff, and the climbers don't need to be pruned. Just cut off the dead stuff when it happens in the spring, when it doesn't leaf out. And your elderberry, basically, you could keep doing it the same, you know, in the same circumstance because you probably had luck with the elderberry. And oh, it's great. And yeah. I can't believe how much I have to trim it. It's closer to the house, and I've trimmed it several times a year. Right. They're, I mean, they're colonizers. There's no getting around it. All right. Very good. Thank you. Have a great Christmas. Yep. You do the same thing. And everybody, have a great Christmas and a, a sort of a separate tip of the trowel. All the people that have done all these decorating, uh, it's just been unbelievable. As Tracy and I have cruised around just checking out some of these neighborhoods, it is unbelievable. The time and effort, it's, it just makes it really nice, and especially when we have three or four gray days in a row. There's nothing more enlightening than heading out and seeing, let's say, the work and the effort. Some people even have the lighting hooked up to, let's say, an FM station, so you just tune in your radio so you can hear different music, and the lights will keep the beat with the music. It is just there's just some amazing things going on. So everybody have a great holiday, great Christmas. And don't forget Quansy at the Botanical Garden on the 26th. So that's the day after Christmas. So if you're looking for something to do and just be you know, patient because it is nuts out there. There's no getting around it, whether you're on the highway, whether you're in a shopping, you know, shopping situation in a store or anything else. Just be kind and gentle to everyone because we are all trying to make it through every day the best way we can. So uh, it's just, and I want to thank all the callers for you know, calling in and helping me have different insight on certain things because sometimes I get kind of stuck in a rut and I think, I'm right. No, I don't know. Anyway, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. See you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.